All right, so not only did I buy this new mic, but I uh, yeah, upgraded this Zencaster account so I can do these things like press the intro. I don't know if you're hearing the intro. But... Yeah, I can, I can hear it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at us. Super professional now. Do you want me to do audio recording on my side or it works well? Yeah, awesome. let's do the audio recording as well. Um, so I'm going to open up QuickTime. I just bought a stand for this though, and it hasn't come in yet. So I'm holding this and it is it is a hefty, hefty mic. It's, it's going to get heavy. We're, we're going to have to stop the podcast. Not, not because uh, we get bored, but because my arm strength fails me. It's cool. Cool seeing the, the episodes up on, up on Spotify. Yeah, I put them on YouTube too. So we're making a big time. Yeah, so I didn't use the videos because I wasn't like... So what I did was I uploaded it to Veed and then Veed allows you to do like a soundbar animation with the uh, thing. Yeah, and yeah. so at least it's like that. But I think I'll start actually putting the videos on. But yeah, I'll share that with you after. Okay, so started the audio recording. So if anything screws up, we got this as well. But I think we're good here. So let me do this intro again. Pro Cycling Bets presents Cycling Explained, episode four. We're going to be talking about betting in this episode. Nick is here again. Thank you very much for spending time with us. Uh, And feel free to just kick it off. I mean, I think betting is intrinsically interesting. You've mentioned that before with respect to cycling. So do you have any questions to get us going? Yeah, we talked about betting a bit on a previous episode together i guess we could probably start from the top again i guess in different sports i know you can make bets on different like events happening or scenarios happening so what you say are kind of like the top top bets that, that people would make in, in pro cycling yeah for sure so there's two main types of bets that people make in terms of cycling it's who is going to win the race or the stage so you there's a little nuance to that which i'll dig into but there's also head-to-head bets so it's facing off two competitors against one another and when you're betting on it's similar horse racing where when you're betting on who is going to win the race because there's so many options to who is going to win the race they also let you bet on the top three so they'll, they'll give you some money if your rider places second or third as well but they only allow you to do that by placing they force you into making two bets which is called an each way bet it's a bad name i don't know why they call it the each way bet there's a lot of things in betting that are way too complicated and i think they'd i think they'd get a lot more people betting if it wasn't as complicated like some of these odds just don't make sense to me at all but the each way bet is done so you're placing one bet for your rider to win and then you're placing another bet on your rider to get top three slots but you can't do a top three slot bet without placing the bet for your rider to also win so there's two distinct bets going down so let's take an example let's say your rider wins the stage you will get both those bets will win you will you'll make back your money for your rider winning the race you'll get the odds for that you'll also win the bet for your rider placing the top second or third slot let's say your rider comes second you will lose the bet for the 
rider placing first, but you will win the bet for the rider placing second or third. Does it matter if your rider comes second versus third? Like, will you make more money if your rider comes second, right? Or compared to third? No, doesn't matter. So if you, your rider comes third, it's all good. There is a drop off though, in terms of odds. So for example, let's say your rider is 16 to one, which is, you know, a usual bet odds. And we'll get into why it's so high compared to other sports. But let's say your rider is 16 to one and they come second. When you are placing the bet, the UI will display the drop off in odds. And they don't do this in a good way. Again, it's very unintuitive. They'll show you one fourth generally or one fifth. So that means the odds will either be dropped off by one fourth or one fifth. I can do math on 16 to one odds. That's that's four. So it's divided mm. by four for the one fourth. Mm, but it. recently, some of the betting markets have been doing one fifth and we can dig into why they're doing one fifth versus one fourth. It's usually because they just have less knowledge or there's more competition, but essentially they want to take less risk. So they'll, they'll do a, more, a heavier drop off for second and third. Mm, I see. But what that means is you will only make back four times your bet on the each way. So it drastically reduces the amount of money you're making in terms of an each way bet when your rider comes second or third. So you may, you're, if your rider comes first, it's a huge win for you because you win both those bets and you have better odds on that initial bet compared to if you win second or third because you don't win your initial bet and your other bet is reduced in its value by that drop-off, which is either one-fourth or one-fifth. Does that make sense? I think so. Maybe we could use some some real numbers. So let's say I'm placing like a $10 bet on a, an each way bet on a rider, like how much would I get back if they come first and how much would I come back if they, would I get back if they came second? Yeah. So I usually start with the, when I explain this to people, I usually start with dollar numbers that are super, super simple. So let's say you place a $1 bet. $1 is a good way to start and give me an odds that is divisible by four and five, or maybe so just four. Let's say four. Okay, so yeah, let's want? say like one, one to 16. Sure, 16. Sounds good. So let's say you have a great day. You pick the right rider. You know, you're very smart. So I'm sure you would have picked the right rider. They come first. You win both those bets. So the money you put down was $2 because you were forced into making two bets at $1. And so you win your first bet and you always win your money back. So you always win your bet back. So you won $16 plus $1 on that first bet. You won 17 bucks on that first bet. You also won your second bet, but your second bet was reduced in odds by four. So you won your $1 back times, and you also won $4 with that bet. So you won $5 on that bet. So in total, your new bank balance is 22 for your $2 bet because you won 16 plus one and four plus one which is 22. there you and that, go and that four bucks is because four is one fourth of 16. correct and there was i did i assumed a one fourth drop off because that's usually what the drop off is 
recently it's been one fifth, which has been depressing to say the least. It's not very much fun. And it, it goes when you make an each way bet, what I also recommend is you think about the total payoff. So you are essentially guaranteed to make your money back if your rider like I like doing safe bets. And we'll kind of get into that. But what that what I think about is will you make your total money bet that you're forced to put down if the depending on the odds? And that is only the case is if the eat so that, let's say your rider only comes second or third, which is much more likely than your rider placing first. So I prefer to do that where especially you where the top slot is usually taken up by one of the big six riders who have very short odds. So the big six riders will almost always win the race and they'll get odds of like 1.25 or 1.8, you know, normal odds that you'd see in other sports like the NFL, the NHL. And so what you're really looking for is who's going to take second or third. And because that's where I look for value to find these riders who are, you know, super long odds. But even when the drop off comes into play, will I make my money back? And the only way you'll make your money back is if the odds are higher than the drop off. So they have to be higher than 4.0 or 5.0, depending on if the drop off is fourth, one fourth or one fifth. Because if you think about it, let's take your $1 bet again. You're forced to place $2. You lose the first bet, so you've lost a dollar. And then your next, the amount you win back, let's say you have one-fourth drop-off odds, you'll win back $1 on your next bet, which is $2, which is the amount you put down. So you've neutralized your bet for the day. Gotcha. But let's say your the odds on the rider was 3.25 or 2.75 or what have you you will only get back like 70 cents on that dollar. And then for the day, you're down 30 cents. Because let's say, you know, you put down $2 and you got back on your each way bet. On your second bet, you made 70 cents, which is still 30, you know, you do the math, $2 yeah. minus $1.70 is 30 cents you've lost. So that's not great. So because you're forced into making that second bet, sometimes you do lose money depending on the odds. So it's just something to keep in mind when you're making those bets. Yeah. So is that kind of how you see it? If it's like odds that are whatever, better payoff than four to one, then it's like, okay, I'm like going to make my money back as long as they're top three. And if they're first, then it's like big payoff. Is that kind of see like you have a potential big win and then a safer, like make your money back? Yes. So the, there's a lot of ways to structure bets and I'm happy to discuss them all. I don't think we'll have time to discuss them all in this one episode so we'll probably have to do more but what i deem value is between 12 and 15 so if the odds are between 12 and 15 you'll your rider still has probably a good chance of making the win or getting the win but it still has enough payout to make it worthwhile personally again this depends on the individual if you love betting maybe shorter odds is fine but for me to spend the time to do the research etc 12 to 15 is a payoff that i deem respectable again a lot of my bets are much much higher so like 101 or 201 or even like 751 to one was one i put down today 
I didn't win it, but the rider came top 10. And that for me is respectable. It means that a, a compared what I look for is, is essentially misplaced odds uh, is what I'm going for. So 750 to one was extremely misplaced or 400. There was another rider who was 401 to one and both of them came top 10 out of uh, 180 riders. And you're like, this doesn't, it, 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 even though I lost them, something was wrong with their odds calculation. Uh, if you just do some some math on the base of the number of riders and how likely they are to win, no one should be 751. Like out of, <laughs> I shouldn't win $751 if I place a dollar bet. Um, and that rider comes into the top 10. So, and this happens a lot in cycling. There's just so many variables in play and the ingestion mechanism and the calculation, like they run models on these things to produce these oh, results. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I talk to people in the industry and they do have these, these calculations that, that do these odds generation, but they just, I mean, we can talk about cycling for days because there's so many nuances. There's so many layers to the onion and that's what makes it, makes it beautiful. But it, it's also really hard to produce good odds sometimes just for all the riders for 180 riders you have to produce odds you're going to screw up like it is uh it is a, a very difficult problem and thankfully though they are kind of blessed in the fact that it is also very hard for your rider despite how misplaced the odds are to come in the top three mm, regardless of yeah right regardless so you may find these misplaced odds and your rider you know given the odds it might make sense for them to be placed 50th in the race but they may actually come seventh because you know it was just wrong but seventh isn't good for you as a better like your your rider has to come top three but and the betting house doesn't really lose out either because they were like oh you know but it's just so hard to come top three that even though the odds are often skewed, they don't actually face the music per se. Yeah. yeah no, just that. because of how the betting market works. Cool. And I, I want to go. I want to go more into strategy, but I want to ask another kind of high level question. For each way, typically, is an each way bet available for every single rider, or only only some of the riders? Generally, it depends on the race and also the caliber of the rider. So whew, for smaller races, they won't offer as many odds for the riders just because it's difficult to produce the odds or they may not have enough data given the lower level caliber of riders who are racing. There's just not enough data for them to produce odds. You can request odds on riders. It says like, click here to request more, which will then you can open an email to send to them. It's recommended not to do that too often because your account will get marked and flagged and and you'll be limited on the amount you can bet. It's quite common for people to get limited on the amount you can bet. What our friends in the industry tell us, though, is to send that email, which the link opens up until into 
with, from a different email than your account is from so that you will never really get marked. So if you really do think a rider should have odds or you really want to place it on that rider because you think they're going to win, you know, send that email, but just send it from a different account than the one that your account is sending from. It's a, it's a helpful tip there. And typically when requesting odds, they're like somewhat likely that they'll get back to you and actually make that a bet you can place. Yeah, they're pretty quick on it. So it depends on obviously the betting site that you're using, if they're more focused on cycling than not, or if they have good customer service. But one such as Bet365, for example, will get back to you within a reasonable amount of time. And then I I did want to circle, circle back on your question regarding the so for larger races though every rider will generally have odds and the longest odds you'll typically see are still insane but i think they max out at a thousand and one you'll never typically have a rider actually hmm, sometimes again we our our biggest win was 601 to one and that rider came second so you know, you can still win these really long odds that, and that's what kind of what makes it exciting, right? Because if you can find those values, uh, it's just, it's not, it's kind of like searching for gold to some degree, but it's not, it's still, it's possible. It just, it depends on the day, it depends on the type of race. And sometimes you're more likely to find value than other times. So it just depends. What's interesting, though, is the odds, this is slightly tangential, but the odds calculations don't reflect the current status of the rider and the effects of the races very well, very quickly, because it, it seems to rely too heavily on past data. So let's take, for example, Derek G, who was racing quite well at the Giro and clearly given free reign after he started winning. His odds were still extremely long for most of the other stages, even though he was in the breakaway, which is, you know, the small group that forms that potentially can win the race almost every other day. But he still had odds at around 151 to 1 or 125 to 1 compared to his initial 601 to 1, which was intriguing because it was very obvious to most viewers that he was going to be allowed in the break and that he was almost always coming top four. So it was almost always free money, but the models hadn't adjusted to recognize that information because it, it relies on past race data. And so there's some things that I do want to call out that are important for betters to take into account, which is knowledge that the betting markets won't generally take into account. So this includes chatter in the media. This includes interviews. Interviews is a huge one. You know, it's it's well worth a better's time to pay attention to those post-race interviews and those pre-race interviews, especially. I'm not up early enough to be listening to the pre-race interviews enough, but I have found at times when I do get up at 3 a.m. or what have you and listen to those pre-race interviews, it tells you things that are like, sometimes riders will explicitly state they're becoming more and more candid, especially the younger riders these days. And they'll just say, yeah, I'm going to go for the stage. I'm going to try. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna ride and and the betting markets don't take into this into account they can't like there's only so many people working at these betting houses and they're not ingesting information from live TV streams so some of your best bets are done just by having this information about the riders that you can glean publicly and is no you know you just be <laughs> being someone who's uh, super invested in cycling and watching it and loving it can pay off, uh, which is quite fun. And yeah, so there's also other variables that the, the betting doesn't take into account, but it, it's just something I did want to call out. That's cool. <clears throat> and if I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like cycling is super sophisticated. There's lots of different factors that play into performance and it's kind of like too sophisticated for these betting houses to stay like super on the ball. Um, there's a lot of riders, just like a lot of variables and a lot going on. So if you're a really savvy or even like a somewhat savvy like fan and like, you know, you're following and you know what's going on, you really kind of constantly have that edge because like that live data isn't getting factored into the, the models quick enough. Basically. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's really exciting to be honest when you have, cause you start to build the knowledge. And what I recommend to those just getting into betting on cycling is it may seem daunting at first, but just like anything else in life, once you start building this knowledge on these riders and everything else, your betting tends to improve and get better and better. There is, I'm finding at this point in time where I'm getting to in a, like a very high level of knowledge on most of the riders it becomes a little bit trickier to filter out the noise just because you now have information on so many riders and you know them they're all sort of good and so you kind of have to start building a you know i'd recommend maybe a spreadsheet of who's good at what you know specific riders are good at specific stages they can their suit they suited to different like for example ben healy he's an irish rider he's very good at ruler based stages but the betting market do know that as well so gotcha. they, they do do a good job at matching the rider to the stage but what they another helpful hint for people getting the betting is podcasts are your friends so there's a number of riders who have their own podcasts there's a number of podcasts that talk about riders and the performance and all that jazz and again getting information from all these sources is healthy because you don't want to listen to just one source you want to have a bunch of different sources so as not to be biased it's the same as in news media and when again these betting markets don't take into account you know this random riders podcast or this random riders youtube video because one of the most difficult things in betting for cycling and i'm going to promote the book that's going to come out you know in a couple months but is betting is knowing who is riding for the team right so you have eight riders and determining who the leader is for that day is exceedingly exceedingly hard to figure out and it's probably the the downfall of a lot of people when they're bad on cycling just because you could put money on a rider who you think is good but if the team hasn't deemed them as the leader for the day well 
uh, I have to say, I was going to say, uh, you're beep out of luck. Let's let's try and keep this a clean, <laughs> clean, clean, clean podcast. But essentially, you're it, determining leadership, determining who has freedom, is you know your first course of action when placing a bet on cycling. Because if you don't get that right, then you know you may as well throw away that money. And then the next thing is you got to determine is is a break going to be possible? you know, a break from the Peloton, are they going to let that break go? And then, or is it going to be a GC action day or a sprint day? Right. So you got to think about all those things. Those are the, the, the basics, right? It's because if you don't get who is riding, then again, you throw that money away. If you like put your money on a breakaway rider and the break doesn't form, throw that money away. Uh, and then finally, is it a GC day or a sprint day, depending on if a break isn't allowed to go. And those are like the, I would say the, 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 if you're going to place a bet, do those first before placing a bet on a rider, because if you can't guarantee those, then again, you're, you're kind of throwing the money away. And to be fair, we don't always know who, if the leader is, is going to be who the leader is going to be. And that's why sometimes it makes sense to place bets after the first stage of a multi-day stage race. But oftentimes, the betting markets won't let you place an each way bet on the overall winner after the race kicks off. Gotcha. So sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's kind of, again, they have all the power. So, you know, you'll have much more information once the first stage kicks off because you'll probably start to figure out which horse the team is going to put their money behind. And in, in horse, we, we're talking about riders here, but uh sometimes it's it's not always clear still after stage one because usually teams run with a multi-horse stat strategy they'll have two riders who they're out of their eight who they're mm-hmm. potentially gonna let win but again you usually have more information than you prior did that being said you know pay attention to team social medias pay attention to the posters they put out it'll be kind of you know even the posters even the images they put on instagram or, oh, or twitter wow. Usually have the 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 two yeah the two front runners situated first, big in front, and then they'll have like riders back, and you'll kind of be able to figure out you know yeah again it's it's nuanced and it's not always sure like some people have like some pundits are like mm, teams should explicitly state who they're riding for like it would make everyone's lives a lot easier but that's just how it goes you don't know and teams don't want to tell other teams because from a tactics perspective, it's super beneficial to not know uh, for other teams to not know who's riding because then they have to mark during the race. When I say mark, they just have to, you know, if a rider attacks, then they have to mark that rider because they don't know if that's the lead rider or they don't know if they're, you know, the team's behind them. And so they have to spend extra energy on marking these attacks and following these riders because who knows? Maybe they could be the leader. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that was like a, a closely kept secret, but I see how that would be advantageous for the teams to keep a secret. And I see how that's like makes it trickier for, for betters because they're also trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's tricky for everyone involved. So, you know, pros and cons there. Well, I want to, you mentioned um, you're not able to place bets 
on the entire tour once the first stages happen. For other type of bets, like an each way bet, when's like the latest I could place it? Like right before the the stage starts or what's the timing typically? Yeah, so the timing is usually depending on the caliber of the race, the bets will come out earlier. So, you know, you'll have Tour de France betting odds and Giro betting odds in January when the races kick off in May and July, respectively. We don't recommend locking your money up that early unless there's like an exceedingly good deal. For example, like you, you, you think someone's going to win, the odds are super long. And as a rider starts to perform throughout the season, they'll get shorter and shorter odds because, you know, it will factor that in and say, hey, this rider is performing well. We're going to give them short odds. But then for most stage races, let's say a high caliber stage race, you'll probably get, let's say the Tour de Swiss, which is just about to go on today. It just started. The odds came out on Friday midday. So almost always the odds will come out at 5 p.m. UTC time. So I think you're in UTC time now in, in England. And it will come out for the following day's stage. And you can start betting up until the race starts. And then when the race starts, you still place the, you know, we place some live in play bets today on a stage. So you still, they still offer live odds as well, which can sometimes be good deals because you have a lot more information once the race is ongoing, especially prior to the final. But yeah, usually they come out about uh, 12 hours prior to the start of the race, maybe a bit longer, 16 hours, doing some math there, and you'll be able to place down bets. And then for the really, really small races, it'll come out like, yeah, sometimes they're, they're super slow and they will come out like a few hours before just because they only have so many resources, right? They're, they're, they're trying to create liquidity in the market. And so if they think there's going to be enough people betting on it, they'll spend some resources on it, which means like man hours, people generating these and, and honing them and sometimes. But again, the, the, the betting markets for cycling is still very niche. We have one friend in the industry who has on a, on a day, you know, it's not one of the big betting houses, but he has about maybe people like 16 to 20 people placing bets, right? So again, this is, I'm sure Bet365 has thousands of people, but it's still relatively small compared to most of the other major sports because you only have so many people placing the bets. And if you're not in the major markets, so again, Belgium will have much more people placing bets, but they all use different apps. There's a myriad of apps out there. So it just becomes a matter of liquidity at that point. Super cool. <clears throat> I want to follow up on one other thing we talked about really early on the episode. You mentioned head-to-head bets. What's a head-to-head bet and how's it different than each way? Yeah, head-to-heads are super fun because some days they don't let you parlay them, but sometimes they do. Parlaying is also, I believe, called doubling in your part of the world, in Europe. Essentially... A head-to-head bet pits two riders against one another and you get to pick which rider will win and so it's quite you'll get odds that are similar to nhl or nba or any of the major sport leagues odds and they'll generally be around 2.0 odds and so you'll have two odds one will be favoring one rider to place higher than the other rider and while 
this, well, we personally still trying to find value by doing a bit of research and then parlaying a few of these bets together. So what that means is you only make the money if you're all the bets that you place together win. So let's say we want, we have rider A against rider B, rider C against rider D, and rider E against rider F. We probably skipped a letter in there, but you know, bear with us. We place bets on rider A winning, rider C winning, and rider E winning. We will only make the money if all three of those win, even if riders A and C win, we will lose the money if rider E doesn't win as well. So we have to have a consecutive chain of riders winning. But what happens, why we like it, is it multiplies the total bet. So if you have two dot odds on each of those winning, you'll have a maths and eight overall uh, an eight average, like one to eight average odds. So if you bet $1, you'll win $8 back. Compared to if you did each of those bets separately, you'd win $2, $2 like $6 kind of thing, net. Not, yeah, net. So overall, you get a, you get a higher... Oh, wait, we did math bad there, did we? No, two, two. No, yeah, no, right. no, that makes sense, yeah. And what we find is that you can generally find they'll they won't offer the probably depending on the race they offer a lot like again the high caliber races you'll get third like some of the monuments which are these like one day mega extravaganzas that people really care about you'll get probably 30 matchups of 30 riders compared to smaller races where you'll generally see around 10 matchups of the main gc general classification mm. contenders who are in the race out of that, and so they'll, they'll generally pick two riders who are close to one another in the standings and then like pit them against one another. There's sometimes they pick really random ones like 33rd versus 35th place. And for that, we never really bet because there's no, you know, it's such a mental game cycling at the end of the day. A lot of endurance sports are mental games. And, you know, we can talk for hours about all the mental aspects, about like what factors in. But what we try and do is pick those riders who have a reason to perform better than that competitor. The 35th rider doesn't really have a reason to place better than the 33rd rider, right? It, you know, there's, there's certain prestige to placing top 10. This is a big one. So we'll almost always pick riders who uh, you know a rider will want to maintain their general classification standing if they're in the top 10 like if you're seventh you want to maintain seventh or get better like you you really do and if you're 12th you really want to reach the 10th spot and so the the problem is they'll often pit like 10th against 12th and then you kind of like have to factor in you know which rider is gonna be better on that stage and you can do that though like with enough research you can usually factor in like recently we struck out but we've hit three out of four right like when our parlays we've hit three out of four both times pretty easily like it took us 10 minutes but i'm just giving you an example the past two days and and we deem that good because you know our bets was good enough to get three out of four that's that's pretty good for you know five minutes of work but a rider in 33rd and 35th, you're just throwing your money away there because, in, in our opinion, because 
those riders generally don't have any reason to perform better than one another. They're not going to try. Yeah, like they don't know that you're betting on them. So why are they going to, at the end of the stage race, like if they're not going to win or, you know, they're just going to sit up as they say, and just like, whatever, I'm just going to pedal it in. But the thing with the top 10 riders and the riders close in GC standing, they'll always try. And that's what matters because, you know, a lot of times in cycling riders, you know, there's this thing called work where either a team is working on the front of the peloton or a rider is working. And the, the most important thing is, you know, uh, well, sorry, not the most important thing. That was the wrong prelude to this, but what riders will, will always try to avoid work. Teams will always try to avoid work if they don't have to do work. And so if, if there's, there's really no reason for the 33rd or the 35th rider to work. And it's also, you know, things to stay away from in head to head bets are domestiques. So domestiques are riders who support the leaders for the team. They're going to do their duty. They're going to do their work, get the rider into the position that they want to get into. And then they're just going to sit up. They're going to take their foot off the gas and they're going to, you know, start eating protein you know prior to this end of the stage race we've and they're just going to chill out they're going to get ready for the next day to do their work they're not going to care about beating competitor x who they're pitted against in the head to heads and then you also have so we don't put money on you know those domestiques if they're a domestique rider uh, we really only put money on those gc contenders because the gc contenders are going to have a reason to always fight to the end and always trying to beat that other competitor uh, at the end of the day. So it just uh, it kind of broaches the head-to-head betting picture and, and kind of stuff to start thinking about when you're placing these bets. Like, anyway. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned parlaying head-to-head bets. Would you say there's something like unique about site, like pro cycling betting that makes parlaying a better option or kind of like more more likely to be successful than other sports or would you say it's like generally a good strategy i think you can rack up because of the let's take mlb for example so major league baseball we have a one friend who's you know really into baseball really loves their baseball and even they tell us that at the end of the day each game is kind of a toss-up right so you'll get the same odds as what you get in these cycling head-to-head bets but the 2.12s and the 1.7s, like over the long run, it's going to make sense and it's going to work out. But you really don't know who's going to win the game. And so what we've realized in cycling is like you really do know who's going to win this matchup. Like if you if you do spend this time, uh, it, it, the head to heads is interesting in the fact that it's not like a team against a team like there's there's actually a lot less variables in play than generally betting on the overall of who's going to win a cycling race or who's going to win an MLB game. There's just two riders who want to win the race. And then you just have to really compare what the rider is good at doing to the stage. And once you do that a few times, you begin to gain a base level of knowledge of these riders. And it becomes pretty explicitly obvious who is going to win in our opinion again maybe maybe we're just you know degenerate and spend way too much like time looking at these cyclists but 
it, it, it's much more obvious to us. And so by parlaying, we can generally get an odds of around 18 rather easily by around, you know, usually we do around four riders in a parlay and you can rack up an odds of about 18 and you can make this money back pretty well, right? Like we're not going to say we're going to win every time, but generally we're hitting three out of four most of the times and we're spending a buck. And if you're winning 18 bucks, let me say every fourth time, still pretty good. Right. So uh, you can't do this every day though. Some days doesn't make sense, right? Like if it's a sprint stage, again, we don't bet on sprint stages on head-to-heads because it's a toss-up. You're flipping a coin most of the time. To be fair, no, there's better sprinters than other sprinters, but there's just too many variables at the end of the day for sprint. So we really only do head-to-head bets for GC contenders on hilly stages because otherwise, again, you're throwing your money away. Because if it's a if the break's going to win the stage, then the GC contenders don't really care. They're all going to finish together. Um, so you get, you got to be really careful about throwing your money away, like avoid, we should probably just write an article on don't throw your money away on these things, on these facets, on these races, because there's a lot of things to stay away from. Actually, we're going to write that down because that's a great, great thing (laughs) to stay away from some very, very obvious traps to avoid. So we'll make a note of that. We'll post it to the channel, post it links down below but yeah again avoid throwing your money away sometimes not placing a bet is better than placing a bet we fall into this trap you know we're human we like placing bets because it's fun to us but if you want to be a really professional better and you really want to be you know strict some days there's just not value in those picks and some days the stage isn't right some days the right move is to not place a bet i do want to call that out that's not makes, makes a lot of sense. So just want to check, are there other types of bets? We talked about like each ways for a stage. We've talked about um, head to heads. Is that kind of, does that kind of cover it? Yeah. So those, those are the two main bets. And then again, you have the live in play bets, which offer action on who is going to win the stage, you know, for that which is also sometimes a good option. Sometimes there's good value there. And if you're watching the, the stage, like we do recommend it sometimes just to check out the odds. And hey, it makes it a lot lot more fun sometimes. You're like, oh, this guy's going to win. Because again, that's what we want to promote too. Like some of the reason why we love cycling is because betting on cycling in a healthy manner is fun. And if any of your kids are watching this, you know, just again, we don't know how you sign up to the betting apps, but uh, we do we do find it enjoyable aspect as long as you stay within you know a reasonable you know you have you have rules you set up for yourself and you set those up those are important finally though we do you, you know you mentioned bets and so for the big races they do offer more options which are a lot of fun so for the major grand tours they'll offer way more options like maybe 10 options so some of these are Who's going to win the King of the Mountains jersey? Who's going to win the points jersey? Will a ri- how many riders will win two or more stages? Like will this ri- the, like will this rider win two or more stages and they'll list a bunch of riders and give the odds? You know, will this rider win at least one stage and they'll give a bunch of odds? Who is the team who's going to win the overall Giro? You know, they have a teens classification. They'd offer a bunch more. F- fun kind of 
odds just because there's so much more liquidity in the market. Like people coming out of the woodwork to actually, you know, non-degenerates coming out of the woodwork to watch Giro's. They watch the Tour. They watch the Velta. So you'll get all these different odds. And it's kind of fun just to explore uh, some of these odds that these betting markets are offering. You know, one of the funny ones we saw was, you know, there's a rider who you know british people really care about uh is uh, i'm forgetting his name <laughs> this is horrible but he's a sprinter and they're like how many stages will he win uh and i was like it was just like it specifically called him out which i found quite funny because they, they almost never just like how many stages will you know rider x win like that's just not a thing but just because he's super popular in britain then you know they offered that as an option interesting and for for what's your take on these kind of more niche types of bet like generally stay away from them or like worth looking into because could have a a good return yeah the returns are always not super value so for riders winning a stage or whatnot where we do where we did have success and we do potentially recommend it is with the king of the mountains or the points classification we think those should be offered for more races to be honest because well first i think it's just a fun aspect of the race that people aren't thinking about as much and it gets people thinking about it and increases enjoyment for the audience but we also think it's you can find good value the odds are long enough where they'll have like 30 to 1 odds on riders and you can do the research and figure that out for that case though that's really hard though and we don't really recommend doing it prior to the race kicking off you'll lose the option of, you know, doing that one, two, three for the King of the Mountains classification or the points classification. But figuring out like whether the rider is riding for the points jersey is or the King of the Mountains jersey is pretty tricky. Like it's already tricky to figure out if a rider is riding as a leader for the team. But then to figure out prior to the race actually kicking off if they're gonna ride for the points classification at King of the Mountain is is pretty much throwing your money away. Like it's it's hard to do uh, unless they explicitly state it. And they might explicitly state it. Sometimes they do. Like prior to the Giro, there was a rider who explicitly stated his intention to go for it. He didn't win it, but you know, riders will explicitly state that. It's still something to keep in mind though that it's hard uh, and then it's risky. So we, we might recommend holding off until the race actually starts before placing those bets. Cool, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that was a, that was a great, great coverage of all the different kind of at least service level dynamics i'm sure we'll dive in deeper later but yeah uh, there's there's definitely stuff i'm happy to dig in deep on and we can get a little nerdy around how you should structure your bets or you know what you know whether the bet on sure thing like how much the bet uh is another good one and how to how to break into betting you know how much if you're new to betting how much should i be placing down money wise um and also we've created these concept concepts of stacking and and head-to-head bets um, and isolating in, in head-to-head bets. And those are fun topics to discuss. Um, if people are interested, we will link those in the podcast description on you know the blog articles about those. But we'll, uh, I'm sure Nick will maybe be gracious enough to, to jump on again next week or, or the following week, and we can, we can dig into those a little bit as well. So, But we appreciate Nick's time. We appreciate everyone listening. If you've enjoyed the video, feel free to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, Comments are always good. Liking is always good. Anything like that. Overall, though, we hope you, you know, be smart with your money. 
but have fun, play some bets. And thanks, Nick, for his time. This has been Pro Cycling Bets with Brent and Nick. Here's the outro. All right. Ciao, folks.